Welcome to Intimacy Architecture with Christiane Bella. This call-in radio show is here to help you discover the power of your intimacy. So join us with your questions for Christiane and her world-renowned guests, authors, speakers, and doctors. Together, they will help you build a life you love. This is a shame-free space where no topic is taboo. Here is your host, Christiane Bella. Greetings, everyone. Good evening. Happy Full Moon Friday as we welcome our wonderful guest, Nefaria Siren, who is a Guinness World Record holder in whips, which we are going to hear more about in a moment. I'm so excited about that. Um, But yeah, this is a, a great opportunity to dive into the world of kink positive lifestyles and overall you know the the sex positive um culture and concept and so we're going to jump right in thank you so much for being here with us nafaria thank you so much christy so you got your start was it more in the world of um like circus arts and performance and did that kind of segue into your introduction to the world of dominatrix or was it the other way around uh, I was a performer initially, and then as I kind of adopted the performer lifestyle, getting to know a lot more people, picking up a few more partners, um, and then the partners kind of wanting to be a little bit more involved in uh, the kink lifestyle, I got involved as well. Okay. So, um, yeah, let's dive into that for a moment. So I love how you pluralized partners. Um, okay. So tell me a little bit, do you um, consider it non-monogamy, polyamory, do you, um, is there like a a big difference for you between the two and what does that look like for you? So I refer to our, our relationships, plural, um, as polyamory as we have all identified as being polyamorous. Um, Mm -hmm. non-monogamy is a very large umbrella term for singers are included in non-monogamy, um, people who are open, but not exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, people who just like fooling around with others outside. Some people are, um, as I said, like they're exclusive romantically, but they're not exclusive sexually, or mm-hmm. they're saying like sexual um, intercourse is allowed, but no fluid bonding, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a huge number of situations that can come under that follow under non-monogamy versus polyamory is kind of the explicit everyone's open. I shouldn't say everyone. There's like kitchen table poly versus like exclusive poly and all the other ones, but it's a little bit more, um, open, uh, very ethics centric. Right. And I love that. I think it's important. Yeah. To, to, it is a choose your own adventure, design your own relationship, uh, you know, and, and everyone does have their own, way in which they poly like for my partner and I we have like a hierarchy which I know a lot of people are like anti-hierarchy right um but that's you know that's the system that works for us and so I think you know it's important that everybody like gets the opportunity to define um and negotiate what you know what your relationship looks like as long as everybody is consenting to the situations Mm -hmm. that are there and you are able to discuss um all the situations that may potentially come up and come to comfortable um, willing situations, then that's awesome for whatever that may be, whether it's mono, non-mono or poly. 
Absolutely. And and that's the interesting thing. I think whenever I talk to anyone who's unfamiliar um, is often this assumption that like, you know, I have like so much sex and I'm like, no, I have a ton of conversations. <laughs> like oh God, like yes. 80% <laughs> of it is like conversations and like maybe some sex gets sprinkled in there, but it's pretty much all like. Yeah, especially during coronavirus, like my, right. my Google calendar is just like video call, video call, video call, video call. And like, I have one partner who is local and one Mm -hmm. that has flown in so far Mm -hmm. and another one flying in. Yeah. So how has that been? Um, the shift to move things, you know, in this social distance world, have you gotten creative with, with video chat? Um, (laughs) so luckily for me, um, my partners, most of them I met while performing so that Mm -hmm. I've had long distance relationships with all of them. Um, so it's, hasn't been that big of a struggle for those who are more, uh, physical touch driven. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of them, luckily, well, I shouldn't say luckily, <clears throat> several of my partners like myself are acts of service, which is still easy right. to communicate to another person. Uh, words of affirmation is something mm-hmm. else. Gift giving is something you can just click on Amazon and it drops in there and they right. happy and you do a video call and things like that. Unfortunately, physical touch is not a fun love language to be having right now. Mm-hmm. You will be severely depreciated. So the two partners who are most physically touch dependent of mine, um, one lives with me, luckily, and the other one has visited and is flying back again so that we can have um, some physical intimacy together. I love how you're making it work. That's fantastic. So um, you highlighted in there, you know, what some people may know as the the love languages, which are like these oh, five yeah. key components. Um, but you actually have another um, acronym that um, you use that I, I would love to dive into that gets into yeah. a little bit more. So it's CARES. Um, yeah. And so will you break down yeah, for us course. what CARES? Yeah. So uh, there is... It, something branched off of Jerry, Gary, sorry, Gary Chapman's five language, love languages, which went to the five apology languages. And I think, I can't remember if it was he who developed those, but he had comfort. Um, I think it was advice. Then he had uh, distraction. And they were a little bit difficult to remember as the normal love languages are, mm-hmm. unless you're constantly around them. And I wanted a way for them to be quickly and easily memorized is it's quite frequent when um, I'm talking with a partner or a friend that needs mm-hmm. something um, that's going through an emotional difficulty of how do I help you? So yeah. we came up with an acronym that was C-A-R-E-S, which makes it very easy because it's like, yep. what's your care language? What care right. do you need right now? Um, and then after a little bit further discussion, ended up adding the S is CARES. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's C-A-R-E-S and it stands for comfort, which is like hugs or usually physical comfort, but Mm -hmm. it can also be like emotional comfort. If you just need somebody uh, to support you verbally, just being like, you're awesome. You're doing a great job advice, which is a pretty touchy one. Um, Mm -hmm. I know everyone's instinct is to give advice, but a lot of people don't want to hear it. Um, Or sometimes they just can't at the moment or they know what to do. You, Mm -hmm. there's so many situations, you know what to do. I I don't need to hear what I need to do. I I need somebody to distract me until I'm comfortable with that idea. Um, And then the R is release. Um, Mm -hmm. It used to be called venting, which I don't like as much. Mm -hmm. Um, It sounds like it always has to be ranting because release can be, if you need somebody's shoulder to cry on. Mm -hmm. Um, That's something that I know for me when I need that 
I have a certain set of people where I can just ball for an hour or so and they'll be like, okay, you have one hour. After that hour, you're done. (laughs) But they give me that time and space. Mm -hmm. And since then, they've like slowly shortened it down. So they're like, (laughs) let it all out. You got five minutes. Timer starts (laughs) now. And I just go to town. It beeps. They look at me and like, got this? I'm like, I got this. Um, Then uh, E is escape or distractions. Mm -hmm. If you just don't want to think about the issue right now, Mm -hmm. um, then you're more than welcome to go. I was like apple picking. Um, I try to find something that's physically involved just because then you don't have to think about Mm -hmm. it versus if it's um, like sitting down watching TV, like Mm -hmm. you don't get the blood flowing as much. Mm -hmm. Um, And then S, uh, which is a challenging one, is solitude. Um, I know a lot of people who actually need solitude. I'm one of those people. And it's really, really, really difficult when you have somebody who is very comfort and very... Mm -hmm. um, uh, acts of service slash physical affection to suddenly realize, hey, I'm dealing with a really bad issue right now. And I just need to be alone for like the next yeah. 24 hours. I love that. this is just so valuable because I think one of the, you know, beauties of humanity is there is this sense of like, going in and wanting to, to help. Um, But that looks different for everyone. And so to be able to have a language to communicate of like, okay, well, this is what help looks like to me. And to be able to set those boundaries to say like, all right, you know, so I I actually don't want the advice. I want the distraction right now. You know, like this is what I need. Or like you said, to to be able to say like, I need some solitude and it's not personal. Um, And I think, you know, to be able to have this language help someone to understand that it's not personal. Like I'm, I'm really... I'm in tune with what I need and I'm going to ask for what I want. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you can decide amongst your boundaries, whether or not you're able to, to show up for that, but um, to just be able to communicate, I think, you know, it's so interesting, all the things that we're taught and then emotional intelligence somehow like falls to the wayside. Um, and so oh, I love yes. that, you know, and I think it's fascinating that so much of it has come out of kink communities. You know, I, I think about like when I first really started to understand communicating my emotional needs, it was so much because of, um, my, you know, introduction to the world of BDSM and, and polyamorous relationships and non-monogamy that it was like, oh, okay, well you need this kind of, uh, foundation in order to navigate these things. And I'm like, why did I not learn this previously know, this right? really made life you know and because like what you said it's not just romantic connections like this is like friendships this is like across the board these are like really wonderful tools that you can use with anyone you're in a relationship with and i mean pretty much anyone we come in contact with you're in some sort of relationship with them on some level oh yeah so this i don't just use these things for my partners i use them friends i use them for complete strangers sometimes mm-hmm. when it's like hey there's this girl like this just crying on the side of the road and you don't want you don't know why and you want to help her out it's like hi my name's nefaria um i see that you're going through probably something emotional right now i would like to help you what would help you and -hmm. if they don't know how to respond you're like well there are five options that i know about and then you just list those five yeah and we just have this framework you know and it just like it helps to kind of be able to navigate then like okay well you know now I have opt, I have choices, you know, what, what is, what adventure am I going to choose? Um, so let's kind of circle back around to, so you got your introduction into circus arts um, and that, mm-hmm. you know, introduced you to a variety of partners. 
that introduced you to the the kink world. Tell me about that first. Do you remember your first like kink experience? Uh, oh, geez. Now I'm trying to think about it. Um, I guess I was lucky enough that things were really progressive. So I'm not sure what classifies as like a first kink experience. Cause I had people who were like, Hey, do you want to try this out? And like, what is it? It's rope tie. And you're like, okay, mm-hmm. whatever. And it wasn't, it didn't really feel kink because it was like a social event where someone had mm-hmm. rope and then you would like learn how to tie things certain ways. Um, it didn't feel like it was a kink um, mm-hmm. or other people saying like, just basic body drumming, like percussion is a very, very easy, simple intro into impact play. And would you classify as that a kink right yet? Like if it gets to the point where you're paddling people, I mean, some people can see that as just being fun. Some will see that as a kink. And then like, there are plenty of times I got paddled for fun at a party or something. Mm -hmm. So does that count? Because otherwise it could be as early as like, I don't know, high school when you're fooling around with a friend or somebody that you're a little bit closer to and you guys like, Hey, I got an idea. Yeah. (laughs) And you're like, okay, why not? Right. Um, but otherwise, like if it's people like hardcore, you have to be in a dungeon and, and I don't know, you have to leave marks, then that's probably only a couple of years ago. Yeah. And, um, I saw someone, I wish I remember who posted it. It was fantastic. It was, um, on Instagram and they were like breaking it down. They're like, you know, if your kink doesn't involve degradation, it's still valid. And like, you know, all of these things. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So how important it is that, you know, it, it is again, an umbrella term and you get to define it for yourself. Um, so that was a big thing for me when I, um, worked as a dominatrix, I was really, and I'm still not good at like rope, you know, tying. And I always felt, I was like, am I not a, you know, enough of a dominatrix that I don't know how to do That's such a weird conversation. People having like, when, when do you become a dom versus not when you become like a yeah, there's always these like weird, I'm going to refer to as gateways because some mm-hmm. people say like, well, does it count as a kink until you do blank? Like does rope play count as a kink if it's just like you hanging out with a somewhat platonic friend, right? And it's just like, there's, there's weird gateways in our community that kind mm-hmm. of baffle me. And I think that's, to me, what I, I, I feel like sex positive in general is, is helping us do is to realize that this is all just, you know, s- standard curiosity, the playfulness, mm-hmm. the like exploration, and that it in a, of itself does not necessarily have to be like put in this box that that makes you a kinky person or that makes you um, a fetish orientated person. Yeah. Uh, and so that it's just about the, the fun of, of playfulness. Um, so we are actually going to get ready to take our first break here, but we will be back in just a moment. Um, oh, actually we have two minutes, so let's see, we can still chat for a little bit longer. Uh, (laughs) so, um, my, one of my first memories, um, of really diving into this was being, uh, 16 and getting handcuffed to a closet. And I, um, broke the closet bar. And I always wanted my boyfriend at that time, like explain that to his family, like why the closet bar, 
Like, man, if you bring handcuffs and hand ties into it, man, it gets as young as like 14 for me. It's like, there are already times where you're just like, I liked pressure around my wrist. Mm-hmm. When I was in high school, I actually wrote, wore like super tight chokers. And I actually wore like a bandana that was pulled super, super mm-hmm. tight around my wrist because of that. And every so often with like a particular person that I was fond of that also liked that amount of pressure, we would just tie our hands together but like nothing sexual came out of it because it was mm-hmm. still like middle school, high school. So it was a little confusing back then. So does that count or not? And I think that's a big part of of the kink BDSM world too, is that it's not inherently sexual. Like, you know, a yeah. lot of the work that I've done um, and partners that I've had, it's been this platonic thing. And, and this is almost an exercise very similar to, the, you know, the way I work with people with yoga is oh, yeah. it's just a way to kind of release stuff. Um, and even like, I've, you know, worked a lot with people who are on the spectrum and I found that fat, you know, like some people really do just need that pressure. It's calming, it's soothing. And so, you know, would I tell like, you know, the, the mom of the 10 year old kid that I'm working with that your you know, your autistic child is kinky because it's like, no, that's just, you know, it's a sensory, um, it's a sensory thing that we, that we, yeah, need. yes, it is Some um, sensation. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So now we are really ready to take a break. Uh, and so we will be back in just a moment with Nefaria Siren talking more about the wonderful world of kink and all that goes with it. You are listening to Voice America. I am Christiane Bella and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. The holidays are just around the corner. Do you want to go through another round of fighting and avoiding your family? Or are you ready to build the life you love? Intimacy Architecture is here to help with our Relationship Reset Program, which combines individual and partner sessions. Learn communication techniques, self-awareness, and shift your approach to connection so you can restore trust and enjoy healthy relationships with those close to you. Visit IntimacyArchitect.com to enroll. What's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter? You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Intimacy Architecture. We want to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1 866 472 5788. You know there's a question you have or something on your mind. That's 1-866-472-5788. Feeling shy? That's okay. Send an email to intimacyarchitect at gmail.com. Christiane might be answering you on an upcoming show. Now back to Intimacy Architecture. Welcome back, everyone. I am Christiane Bella, and you are listening to Intimacy Architecture. My guest this evening is Nefaria Siren, a former sex worker dominatrix who holds Guinness World Records for whipping, um, fire eating, circus arts all around, supersonic mistress. I I love that. Uh, And we are talking about the world of kink and, and all of that entails. So what is one of your favorite you know we were talking about like the the pressure and um Mm -hmm. and you know i guess that would fall under like the aspects of bondage so what are some of your favorite um sensory experiences pressure is definitely a huge one for me that's why i like ropes that are tight i wear a lot of tight clothing i wear Mm -hmm. 
uh, skirts, shirts, bras that are a bit too tight for me. Um, I sleep under a weighted blanket. Like oh, that's yeah. a huge one for me. It's just like anytime I can get a good amount of pressure against the skin, it always feels better. Um, I like wore chokers all the way through high school that had slowly turned the, the, the tension on them a little higher. I was like, okay, this is, this is a bit extreme. Cause then you get a little lightheaded <laughs> at certain times. You're like, Hmm, maybe I should reconsider some of these things. So pressure is a huge one for me. I also really like heat. So like wax play, fire play, I am the one that will uh, turn the, the temperature higher in like some baths. If you're like taking bath mm-hmm. with a new friend, um, and you're like, what temperature do you like it? And they're like, oh, I like it around like a hundred degrees. I'm like, I like it 115. So yeah. how about we compromise? Right. Um, and things like that. So fire play is one of my favorites. It's actually something I miss so much. I'd say of, of all the things I haven't gotten to enjoy, um, in the lieu of our changing, uh, society is, is somebody lighting me on fire. <laughs> it, it, it hits the adrenaline, the mm-hmm. endorphins, the epinephrine, the heat, the continued sensation later, the afterburn. And depending on the person you, you are like that long-term burn feeling there also gives you a nice little, like, um, I like to call it like a keepsake. Like if mm-hmm. you have that, um, depending on who you're with or what you're doing, that like small little burn that lasts like four or five days after that you're like, Oh yeah. I remember that night. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And wax play is definitely one of my favorites. Um, yeah. There is something about, for me, I think it definitely evoked this, like, like how powerful, like, look what I can do, you know? And, and it was a very healing aspect because um, experiencing trauma at a young age, I, I like endured unhealthy things that like, I didn't need to be in this situation. And so getting to find these outlets, to be like, oh, here's, I'm choosing this. I've actively like negotiated and, you know, and agreed to this and and my boundaries are being respected. And, and now I get to have this outlet to be like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Like, this is what I can endure in this really positive mindset. Um, so have you had experiences where you feel like, you know, through these outlets, has there been like these healing moments or epiphany moments where you're like, oh, wow, like kind of going in through the outdoor and realizing like, okay, I get, get something new about this now. I have been incredibly lucky in all the incidences that I have been involved with where, uh, it was a non-consenting situation. Um, I did not have any lasting psychological damage to myself. And I know there are hundreds of people out there. I've had a partner who, Um, when we would share a bed together, it was heartbreaking because if I would shift over, um, my, in my bed and I would accidentally brush them in the wrong spot, I could hear them whimper and cry. And it was, Mm -hmm. it crushed my soul for so long till, um, we found comfort together. Um, and I know that kink has brought them, um, a lot more comfort as they're able to talk with people more. I'm always amazed how kink starts the conversation of, comfort, um, consent, um, and intimacy. Like Mm -hmm. there's so many people I know who aren't super kink focused, but they know so many people in the kink community that they just became more intimate with their friends and with their own partners. So that beforehand they were like, I'm not into kink. Um, but I am now way more comfortable to take a bath or shower with a friend or a loved one. And that always amazes me. Like 
how much more comfortable you get with having the conversations about just your own preferences, whether they're sexual, um, kink fet related or not. Yes. Oh my God. I love that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about BDSM because some of our listeners may have never heard that term before. Um, and I feel like everybody, you know, has kind of their own little twist that they, they put on it. So I would love to hear, um, your interpretation. So BDSM has so many subcategories and even the acronym itself changes. Some people view it as bondage is usually the first one. And Mm -hmm. then it's sometimes uh, dominant submissive for the DS. Um, Some people call it a daddy in small. Um, Mm -hmm. There's other ways they go through about that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then some people refer to the S as um, sado, sadistic, Mm -hmm. and then M is masochism. So sadomasochism. Um, so, and some people refer to the D as discipline, but Mm -hmm. all the way around, it kind of encompasses, these are the main points that pop into people's head when they consider BDSM. For me, it's just kind of one of those umbrella terms that say, we started with L, G, B, and T, and then added the A and the Q and the T and the number two and the U again, and another Q. And you're like, oh, Okay, but you can default to just saying the LGBT community, even though there are now like six or seven other letters that come Mm -hmm. after that. And same with BDSM, because you don't want to sit there and be like, oh, I'm interested in BDSM, F, L, K, G, S, T, W, W. Oh, there's two W's. (laughs) Just like running through my head. What what are they all? Or like, that's going to be an alphabet soup. Absolutely. So it's just a nice umbrella term. Mm -hmm. So, um, your work then as a dominatrix, do you, uh, what did you love about it? Like what was, you know, what were some of your highlight experiences? So I progressed, I'm going to use three terms here, home dom, house dom, and pro dom. Um, home dom is as it sounds, uh, you dom at home, not a lot of place house, house dom, tungent dom, um, community dom, com dom, depending on where you go, everybody has Mm -hmm. different a uh, house dom can somebody be referred to as a home dom, but it's usually if you go to a place that you regularly dom mm-hmm. at, um, but you're not paid, people ask you for sets or scenes, or you work out a deal with the dungeon, um, they'll refer to you as a dungeon dom. Uh, that progress um, progression um, happened actually fairly quick just because my reputation in the community grew real fast after um, just a couple of demos and conversations with people who were involved. And and, uh, I knew a lot of people who organized the dungeons. Mm -hmm. Um, It's amazing that even when if I move to a new city and walk into there, they're like, oh my God, you're Nefaria, right? I'm like, how did you know me? They follow me on social media or something, or they're friends with a friend um, and going through that. So because I've known so many people, I moved from basically being a home dom with my partners to being a, a house dom uh, or dungeon dom at uh, community events um, and dungeons, um, which then eventually progressed to people requesting me and being like, I don't quite have the facilities to go do this right now. Mm-hmm. If you'd want to, we'd have to work out some type of conversation and they'd be like, oh, no, I'll just I'll just straight up pay you. I'm like, OK, that works even better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember the first time someone was like, I'm going to like pay you to step on me. And I thought like, really, this is a job. So many of the times there is like, even cause early in my Dom experience, mm-hmm. it was just like vocal or chat doming. Right. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like, yeah, I will pay you a hundred dollars to have a conversation uh, about pretty much how much you hate me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. 
okay, that seems a little odd to me, but if you showed that you paid me and next thing you know, in the little chat window, yeah. blah, 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 paid you a hundred dollars. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to cancel my plan that I had at four 30. <laughs> and I look like I'm going to just be yelling insults at this guy for the next hour through yeah. chat box. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and so you mentioned, uh, house doming and being at, uh, spaces. So I'm just going to take this moment to plug some of the awesome places that, um, that you've mm-hmm. been at, um, one in Indianapolis that does fetish Fridays yep. and, uh, one in Orlando, which is the secrets hideaway. Correct. Um, and so, yeah. So if you're listening and you're in those areas, you can go check out some of those spots. If you're in um, Chicago, I also highly recommend GD2, Galleria de Mania 2. Um, it's one of the n- nicer ones that are in the area, as well as the Leather Rose in Chicago. I love it. Yes. Yeah. Um, we have one here in Nashville. It's called The Mark. And um, I think they are still open for classes. I'm not sure how much play they're they're doing, but um, but I was really impressed by that. You know, that was one of the reasons why I actually moved to Nashville was to bring uh, more healthy sexual awareness. And I was like, look at them; they already have a kink club. <laughs> well, if you need a, a workshop educator, you know where to find one. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah, so let's actually dive into a little bit of that. If you know, those people that are listening who are maybe at home with their partner um, or curious themselves, where is a good starting point? What would be something you suggest if you're like, okay, you know, we, we have some ideas and we want to play around. What's a good um, kind of like intro, would you say, for people who are king curious? So you did skip, you didn't really skip over, you mentioned it. But one thing I do really want to put emphasis on is the first thing I would suggest is talking with your partner yes. um, or partners or just right. the person you're interested in getting involved with in it and having the conversation of what you think you would like, because you don't know yet mm-hmm. things that you would possibly like. So I like scaling it on a scale of one to 10, um, one being no, not interested at all. Um, 10 is dear God, can we do this right now? Right. And then like everything that is a seven and higher, we're like, okay, we'll try this these mm-hmm. times. And then you go back. Um, so like sometimes like, well, I wasn't really thinking about this when it was only like a four for me or a five, but I'd be willing to try it. Right. Um, be safe. So if you, it's something that's on the more extreme end, please, please do your research. Um, find a workshop in your area. A lot of um, not just dungeons, but also, uh, sex shops um, and adult mm-hmm. theme shops uh, will have workshops there because um, it also helps promote them themselves um, and getting educated on some of the more extreme things. Keep in mind that kink can be incredibly progressive, meaning for people who like getting impact pay play, you do not have to go buy a six, single tail six foot bullwhip and start hitting each <laughs> other, right? It can be something as simple as like body drumming, like finger drumming right. is something that most people enjoy. Depends on who would call it a kink or not. And then you can mm-hmm. go that to like, rather than using your fingertips, using your um, knuckles, using your fist, using an object, going from like a soft, like a one up to like a hard 10, using a cane, using a raton, using a staff, doing something a little stingy or something a little bit more floofy, like a flogger, um, getting a little bit heavier into heavier impact play. So then you can use things like round, um, like almost like a bat and then going up and having that progressive allows you to go, oh, okay. And it's quite often people quickly and easily build up to something Mm -hmm. rather than getting involved. Because I know like my experience is getting directly involved 
with wax play was a little uncomfortable. But then once mm. you know things like um, there are different waxes for different wax temperatures, as well as mm. you control the temperature of your wax by the height you pour at, or if mm. you just want to do drips and things like that, or you have wax baths you can use that are actually really comfortable and good yeah. for your skin. Um, being Having the knowledge of where you can intro into a kink um, really helps with not only the comfort level, but also the confidence in it and getting over that initial fear. I love that. And I, I'm a big advocate for like things in your house, you know, so again, you don't have to go out and buy stuff. Like you probably have a wooden spoon in your house. Yeah. So if you're like curious, you can go get your wooden spoon. You probably have a belt in your house. You have a tie somewhere. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you're in a temperature place, something that everybody will have is like an ice maker. Like I freaking mm-hmm. love, um, like I personally like chains being kept in the freezer and then brought out. Um, and combine like impact and the mm-hmm. extreme temperature changes, but just like ice cubes are ridiculously fun to you. Yeah. And there are things that some people don't consider kink. Some might call it kinky. Some just be like a fun thing to do is like, mm-hmm. if you have a bag of Jolly Ranchers, getting one of them wet, saying you're, you know, have your partners close their eyes, circle a Jolly Rancher around a nipple or your clit and then be like, mm-hmm. Hey, or if you're a uh, male around the your head of your dick and then be like, taste it. What flavor is it? It's now like a game. Um, It's an easy way of getting involved. If you, it's a light type of food kink, but also there are a lot of people who say that just sounds fun, um, but wouldn't call it a kink. Yeah. And I think, you know, that might be a place where if you are feeling struggling, I guess, with the, with the labeling of it is to just, you know, allow yourself to just be curious. Um, and, and just, you know, like these are things I'm interested in. And I love how you give, you know, uh, the gauge of like, okay, you know, here's where I'm like, eh, to like, yes, let's do this right now. Um, and to start there and just be like, I'm curious about this. And so something I talk a lot about is, um, what I call like test kitchen sex is like, you know, just like, you know, before a restaurant would open up, you're just like, Mm -hmm. okay, we're just going to try this. Like no one is aiming to have an orgasm tonight. No one is like, you know, we're just going to play around and see like, do we like this? Cause a lot of times things sound good in theory, but then in reality is like, mm, no, not so much. And to just have that room. That number game at the beginning, I also like to place down because it's a really easy way of gauging consent, right? So like mm-hmm. with new partners or new clients, like it's a quick, easy way of saying, hey, on a scale of one to 10 and being like, if they don't say eight or higher, we're not going to do it because right. they're not that involved or they don't enjoy it that much. Or if you give out a menu being like, these are the things that I'm really good at. Mm-hmm. What are you interested? And they say, hey, these two things are like nines. And then the rest is only ones. They're like, okay, we'll just concentrate on those two for this session. And I'm, I think they might still have it on their website, um, thepleasurechest.com. If you go to them, I'm pretty sure they still have um, they a, a, like a menu that you can actually print out that has like this long list of like possible kink things. So if you're, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't even know, you know, this is a good way to kind of like, okay, well, here's, here's a whole list of ideas you can start uh, oh, yeah, playing around was, with. Yeah. Oh, I forgot where we found that up, but there is a list of like the top 100 most common kinks and it, 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 it like when I read through it, even I had trouble identifying like 20 of them going like, wait, what, where, where did this come from? And there are a couple that you're just like, holy crap, how have we not tried this yet? Right. 
Yeah. Google is definitely your friend in this case, like definitely hop on and, and have some fun Googling things oh, yeah. and see, see what you might be into. Um, and if yeah, not, and just, you know, yeah, go if ahead. you're not on FetLife, I'm 90% sure I found that list on FetLife. Mm. And you're nefarious siren on FetLife. If people are looking to follow you. Yeah, oh, I deactivated my account, but I could okay. probably restart it again. Okay, but they can find you on Instagram and Facebook mm-hmm. on Nefaria Siren. Um, and we are gearing up to head out for our last and final break of the evening. Um, but we will be back shortly with more of this fascinating conversation on the kink positive lifestyle with Nefaria Siren. Thanks so much Yay. for listening. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The holidays are just around the corner. Do you want to go through another round of fighting and avoiding your family? Or are you ready to build the life you love? Intimacy Architecture is here to help with our Relationship Reset Program, which combines individual and partner sessions. Learn communication techniques, self-awareness, and shift your approach to connection so you can restore trust and enjoy healthy relationships with those close to you. Visit IntimacyArchitect.com to enroll. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Intimacy Architecture. We want to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5788. You know there's a question you have or something on your mind. That's 1-866-472-5788. Feeling shy? That's okay. Send an email to intimacyarchitect at gmail.com. Christiane might be answering you on an upcoming show. Now back to Intimacy Architecture. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Christiane Bella, and with me is Nefaria Siren. We are talking about all things kink. Uh, and so, yes, we were um, on break, We were, and we were like, wait, we should save this for when we come back. So, <laughs> um, so you are developing a new act that involves whips, um, which is one of your specialties. You actually have yes. Guinness World Records for whips. Um, the first one you got in 2012 and I love, we were talking about this earlier, like, I don't even know how many I have anymore. They just keep piling up. <laughs> yeah. So, um, this new act that you're crafting, uh, yeah, let, let us in on it. I can't let you too much oh, into it because okay. it is under, uh, uh, non-disclosure. non-disclosure. Okay. Um, but I'd love, we were talking about, um, just basically performing in general. Right. Um, I've been a burlesque performer, a fire performer, um, a dancer, uh, a kink performer, obviously, I almost forgot about that. Um, primarily whips and fire eating has kind of been my specialties and then uh, getting into a new act that will hopefully air on television sometime in March. So exciting. I love that. it. 
So, um, yeah, of all the toys, what, what was it about the whip? Cause for those of you who will get to see later when I release the video that we're recording right now, she, uh, behind her is a wall of whips. Like, I don't even know how many gorgeous, beautiful, colorful whips. Um, behind so you'll about 50 right now. Yeah, I think it's around 50 that are sitting behind me. It's it's smaller than my previous whip wall. And I'm actually literally working on one. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love it. So yeah, what about the whip? Um, you know, what, what made that the, the focal point? Oh God, my internet's going to come out. So uh, I actually have an advanced degree in computational fluid dynamics. And there's even an episode out there um, that I go deep into the science of how whips work and how whips crack. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been fascinated the fact that you can have uh, essentially a rarefication zone or a cavitation bubble, depending how you look at it, um, being as like one phase. And then you have another phase, which is like air, plus you have a solid. And depending on what, if you have a fuel mixture for fire, you have another phase. So you can have essentially like a four phase fluid dynamic system in a single object that's capable of accelerating beyond Mach one and even into Mach two and Mach three territory. Um, and that's just something that just like dumbfounded me that you can have yeah. this, um, bluff body that is capable of accelerating beyond Mach three, even though it's still attached to your hand. So the science there is just kind of always amazed me. And um, because of that, I've spent a lot of my time engineering whips. So like on this wall here, um, over here, I have like some of the the loudest whip in the world. um, uh, That's actually marked up to be ready for visual tracking. Um, LED whips are the first some of the first crackable LED whips in the world that um, I helped develop, uh, as well as a couple of ones that I invented in terms of the stylizing like um, speed whips, which are actually made out of graphite handles, flow whips that are down here that I use specifically for performances that are more similar to flow arts, because you could do some things like yeah. contact and tossing a lot better. And then of course, several of these actually hold records themselves, like uh, slack line records, um, most newspaper cuts, most flower cuts in a minute, records, um, so on and so forth. And then wow. our wedding whip, so. You have a wedding, wedding whip. Yeah, so oh my gosh, I'm going to tilt this up. So for okay. all of you who see it later, um, it has our wedding date actually braided into the handle. Oh, that's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love that. That is fantastic. Um, and so some of the places that you performed um, that are still around doing great stuff are Bourbon Town Burlesque in yep. Louisville and that's Whiskey fair. City Burlesque. Um, so yeah, so definitely hop on and check out what they're up to these days. So, um, one of the things we, um, have been talking about is, um, and it, I, you reminded me, it, it actually comes from a book more than two, but, um, I, I think, you know, we're all recycling great information here is <laughs> trust, but verify. Oh yeah. Um, and that, that really is the essence of, you know, if you're heading into this world, if you are curious and you want to play is, is to trust, but verify. And then to have these conversations uh, first and foremost about what you're interested in. Um, do you have like a, a protocol when it comes to who you do play with? Is there a certain like, you know, cause like some people like, you know, like we actually have a rule in, in our thing is like, you know, no rookies, like you have to have like, you know, <laughs> done some, some homework first before you come in. Do you have certain things where it's like, okay, you know, there's a difference between we're 
we're playing together versus like, I'm your mentor and I'm educating you. Like, where do you kind of draw the lines there? Uh, it depends on where I'm working and why they want me there. A lot of the times they're just like, hey, we wanted a house dom to come by the dungeon to show people things. So it's one mm-hmm. of the things where you are a trusted individual. Everybody can be like, if you're interested in one of the following arts, say like wax play, rope play, impact play, dom, sub, whatever, chain play, temperature play. Um, we have a professional dominatrix that is well-versed in all of these arts, mm-hmm. um, in which case then it's anybody who comes in that's already signed the consent form that has read through the rules, they can approach me and said, I would like a set that involves these things. I want something that involves rope, um, that is non-harmful, that isn't fully suspended. Um, I'm new here and I just wanted to experience it once with somebody who's a professional. So for that, like anybody coming through those doors who has signed the paperwork and is consenting is somebody that I'll do a short little scene or set with so they can get a good feel of what it feels like. And for that, we're just opening the conversation of like, I basically open with, hey, what do you like about this? What intrigues you? Do you Mm -hmm. want the pressure? Do you want the burn? Do you like the feel of soft? Would you prefer me to use jute, nylon, cotton, poly? Those are all options. Do you like it stiffer? Are you somebody who are willing to be stimulated in certain areas or not? Do you like the vibrations when you have a rope being dragged over you, especially if it's non-braided? Or do you like the sensations um, of it being dragged over you or the tight pressure or not? And having that conversation immediately gives me an idea of how I want to frame what I want. And if it's something that's more artistic, um, visually artistic, uh, or something more sensation-based, I can then change my scene how I wanted to, to adapt to them. So in that case, it's open to everyone. Um, When it comes to like my partners, we almost always, like every single one of our conversations comes down to it. Hey, so what do you like? What do you want to do? And whether it's kink, um, sexual, or just, hey, let's go to the beach and go eat pizza or something. I don't know. Um, we constantly have these conversations. And then for like pro-dom work um, or uh, back house sessions and things like that, where I'm going to someplace else, like I, I have tons of paperwork that's already here's a menu, here's my resume. Um, and then here is the list of things that you can pretty much, so you don't have to write in. These are what I'm consenting to. This is what I'm allowing. If I have marks or not, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, there's literally a checklist of, oh, that looks fun. No. And then that's, those are the rules that I have to follow. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's great. You, you highlighted that, you know, some people have come to like, oh, I want to be spanked, but it's like, that's such a broad idea is that, you know, how do you get to the essence of the experience that you want of the sensations and that you're looking for? There are a lot for? of people who, when they say they want to be spanked, they want like, say a thuddy spank, right? There are a lot of right. people who want spanked. They just want the sound, right? Yeah. They want to be like, oh God, it's terrifying. There are people who, um, people are surprised when I say this, there are a lot of people who are really into whip um, an impact play without impact, meaning mm-hmm. they want the sound of the whip right next to their ear. They want the fear. They want the adrenaline. They want the epinephrine. They want they want the basically mm-hmm. the dopamine and serotonin rushing through yeah. their body. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things about floggers. Like, mm-hmm. I just love the sound that a flogger makes even more than I necessarily, you know, it, it, the impact is cool, but like the sound of it is oh, what yeah. really like does right. it for like, me. There are a lot of people who they just want the experience or want the more like psychological portion Mm -hmm. of it. The way you set a scene is constantly convincing them that this is going to hurt even more. It's going to hurt even more. It's going to hurt even more. And through that entire experience, you never want to actually have to touch them. Mm -hmm. They're just constantly 
on edge. And because of that, they have their adrenaline and epinephrine running through their body for like 50 to, depending on how long the scene, sometimes as short as like five minutes, but they could, if it's a, a private client, like for 50 solid minutes, if they wanted something that was streamed continuously. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think that brings us to, um, aftercare, which is a big part, right. Is because you, you are, you're, you know, bringing up all of this, um, um, energy and it it is a very psychological and emotional play that there is this aftercare. So, um, tell me Uh a little bit about your aftercare processes. It's actually what kind of stemmed through what the care languages were. Mm. We realized that the first two comfort advice kind of met with aftercare and you're like, Oh, that's really nice. Um, it comes down to what people, once again, having that conversation of like, okay, if you're heart racing, do we need to help calm you down? Um, if you're somebody who gets into like blade play or impact play that actually does leave marks or pierce the skin, making sure that everything is cleaned off. Um, if you're in a dungeon setting, make sure the rope and everything is washing through. But ultimately it's about what the person needs afterwards. For a lot of psychological scenes, they just need to be comforted and held for like 10 minutes just to get out of subspace. Like people mm-hmm. forget like subspace is a completely different psychological situation for a lot of people and they'll enter it and then they essentially blank out for 50 minutes and they need that time to come out of it afterwards. Um, otherwise it can just be making sure you clean up. <laughs> right, yeah. And I think subspace, yeah, for, for those of you who are new to all this is, you know, it's, you really drop in, to this almost like out of body experience, I feel like is, is one of the simplest ways I can explain it, you know, and, and that's a big reason why most of my clients, you know, tend to be people who are in positions of power. And just for this moment, they want to not have this power and responsibility and they want to just get to like dive into this sweet surrender. Um, and then that, that lingers on. And so there does need to be this transition time of kind of coming back to yourself and back to the present reality, um, and, and transitioning, you know, smoothly out of of that. Yeah. I have to do that for myself constantly because Mm -hmm. like, um, despite my reputation, um, I'm not like naturally dominating right so mm-hmm. I have to like switch my head into my um to like get in the area of like oh god I'm going to be hurting somebody especially like if it's a heavy heavy session like part of me is like oh god I hurt the little puppy right like you accidentally kicked a dog you're like I feel so bad and then you're like wait 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 have to hold it together Nefaria because you're like giving off this you're exuding confidence and mm-hmm. dominance in this session and you're like okay Okay. So it takes me a while for my brain to go into that. And then once I'm done being like, okay, I have to be a nice person when I go back to work or the next time I go order a food, be like, okay, so I need to get out of this, like essentially bitch mode. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Cause you do like, I, I, you know, when I turn that on, I, uh, I definitely do have to remember, like, we're not, you know, the, the, the line between the, the dominatrix you know, persona. And sometimes and, your brain switches, yeah. um, just at random intervals that you don't think about that. You're like, Oh, I, 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 I'm sorry. I was still, I still had my Dom brain on. I, I am so sorry. I didn't actually mean that. It just kind of came out of my mouth or like, I'm, I'm somebody who's, um, rather flirtatious and every so often, like I'll be out like wanting to be happy and flirting with everyone. And then I'll like overly flirt with like the waiter or waitress. And I'm like, Oh, that was, that was, that was a bit thick. I'm, I'm so sorry. I apologize if that made you uncomfortable. 
<laughs> but at least you own it. That's good. You, yeah, you I try to make aware. sure that yeah. I, I always try to try to get consent first, but every so often I slip up and say mm-hmm. something because I'm I'm surrounded by this culture, right? I keep right. forgetting that not everyone is involved in it. So then a lot of my like subconscious jokes that come out mm-hmm. in my head that come out of my mouth on occasion are jokes that most people would find um, obtuse and obtrusive. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We're I think we're all juggling these days with yeah. what the new, you know, what works and what doesn't work and, I, and, uh, I, and balancing every that. so often I forget mono people exist. I forget vanilla people exist. <laughs> I forget like straight people exist. And they'll somebody be like, Oh yeah, I found a new partner. Oh boy or girl. And like, I, what do, what do you mean? Like, did, is it a boy or part or girl or NB? Like what, what, I don't know the gender. And like, they're a woman. I'm a man. You're like, yeah, but that doesn't mean, Oh wait, you're straight. Right. Right. <laughs> And I think that's good. I think that, you know, not making straight the default or mono the default is is actually a, a great way to go. Um, so we just have a couple minutes left. I want to thank you so much for being here. And I would love um, if you have like one like thought takeaway um, for our listeners that you would love to to send them off with before we wrap up here. Number one thing is be willing to have those conversations, whether it's something that's for fun or something that's difficult. Uh, if I were to give one book recommendation for the entire planet to read to improve their com- communication, it would be Crucial Conversations. It's a book that's helped me out not only in the kink and fet and rom- uh, romantic areas, but also in professional settings as well. I love it. Crucial conversations. All right. Our guest tonight has been Nefaria Siren. You can find her on Instagram and Facebook. And it has been an absolute, absolute pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, And I look forward to connecting with you again. Yes. Thank you so much, Christy. This was a pleasure. All right, everyone. Thanks for being here with us on Voice America. I'm Christiane Bella, and this is Intimacy Architecture Radio. Blessings to you and good evening. Thank you for tuning in and being part of Intimacy Architecture. Join Christiane Bella for the next show. We're live every Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now go enjoy the weekend.